This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKFIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Marinero, The Sick Podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at the Sick Podcast on Facebook. Like it, share it with your friends. Here we are. It's hockey talk on this Sunday afternoon after the Montreal Canadiens played the Calgary Flames for the second time in three nights after losing on Thursday. The Canadiens last night, everyone was expecting them to bounce back because they had Friday off. They took the morning skate on Saturday off. And they did far from bounce back. They lost and probably one of their worst performances of the season. Joining me right now from Global TV Montreal, Brian Wild. How you doing, bud? Very good. Better than the Canadians. I can't figure this team out. For the <laughs> life of me, Brian, I can't figure them out. Help me. I don't know either. I'm, uh, I mean, I got on Twitter and I basically said, I don't know. Because here's the thing for me, Tony. I mean, yeah, they were 24th. And they got that free pass into the playoffs, essentially. And so you knew they were going to be 24th again, right? So they had five key elements. Very good players. I mean, not elite, but very good players. They had a net, good goalie. They had a defense, you know, an Allen. They had a good defenseman in Edmondson. Maybe not what they needed. They needed a puck-moving guy, but a good defenseman. Then they got a ton of goals on the wings from Toffoli and Anderson. I mean, these, these are key moments. These are key acquisitions that the team has put into. And yet, you know, where's the difference, (laughs) right? Where's the difference? When you add so much talent, you expect, you know, five key pieces, Romanov, Edmondson, Allen, Toffoli, Anderson. Where's the difference? Why aren't they better? Why aren't they better, Tony Hall? I'm throwing it to you. Back at you, buddy. Back at you. I think the Montreal Canadiens are one of the most inconsistent teams in hockey in the first 10 games of the season. I thought they could be a serious cup contender Uh, for the next 10 games. After that, I thought they would be a contender. And then for a lull of five or six games, I thought (laughs) they wouldn't make the playoffs. And then I thought they would again, and they would be a contender again and all that stuff. Here's the deal, Brian. And for me, it's very easy. The reason why the Montreal Canadiens are one of the most inconsistent teams in hockey is because hockey games for, I don't know, probably about a decade now or close to it, have been won at the center ice position. And the Canadians are just way too young and way too inexperienced to be good night in and night out. And that's why when Kakanyemi has a good game, the fan base goes nuts and that he should play more. And when Suzuki has a good game, the fan base goes nuts and he should play more. So let's put the cards on the table right now. And it's probably an unpopular opinion because I like the kid. Everyone does, and it's probably asking too much. 
But the fact is, is that Nick Suzuki has not played good hockey in the last 10 games. Yeah, no. It hasn't been gonna... effective at all. Yeah, and here's the problem, too. It's not just that Kotkaniemi and Suzuki are being asked to do too much at an age that they're not ready to do it. And we don't know what their ceilings are, and maybe yeah. they head to a higher level and become elite, but they're not now. And then you got to compound that with all the games that are against the North Division. If you look around at the first and second line centers around the league, everybody says, oh, the North's weak. But at the center position, the North is strong stronger than any division. I looked at it this morning. You go yeah. out west, you've got, you know, in Anaheim, an aging Ryan Getzlaff is the 1C. Look at the number 1C in Vegas. I mean, you at the center position, you can do way better than what these kids are being asked. you got to face Matthews and Tavares one night. you got to take on Shifley another night. you got to take on McDavid another night and Dreisaitl. I mean, every, I mean, even Monahan, you got to take, somebody on all yeah. of the time that's the elite you could play 15 teams that suzuki and Kotkinyemi would go whoof this is a lot easier so you got to add that and let me just say one other thing here when we're talking about the center position because you're exactly right that's why they're stuck where they are and why they won't be able to elevate until those kids can elevate yeah everybody's talking about what to do with phil Deneau, right to me yeah here's what you, i think if they sign phil Deneau for whatever money I think they're boxing themselves in because now if they have as their three C's, Kotkin, Yemi, Suzuki, and Deneau, who's the elite in that three? Now you're boxed in Suzuki and Kotkin, Yemi. One of them has to become elite or you're never winning the medal just like all of the last 20 years. But if you don't sign Deneau, yeah. now you're not boxed in. You've got a lot of money. You got a space open, and if Suzuki or Kotkaniemi don't find their ceiling and don't become elite, you've got the money and the space in the roster to fill it with someone. So I don't think they should sign Phil Deneau until they could know, which they can't because the time is too soon, whether Suzuki or Kotkaniemi can be elite, and we don't know that yet. So no Phil Deneau for me. What are your thoughts on my thought, Tony? My thoughts are if that Phil Deneau wants a penny more than four million, and four million is the max. Yeah, I can't give it to him, and it but might be an unpopular still opinion. Boxed in? Tony, aren't uh, they still boxed in? If they if they give him four, well, they're the, yeah, well, they're boxed in for sure. But l listen, if okay. I told you at the beginning of the season that on a team that could be a cup contender would have a third line shutdown centerman for three point seven five to four million dollars, that's been what the National Hockey League has paid their third-line centermen over the past couple of years. So I'm comfortable with that amount. The challenge is this, and Phil Deneau's a good hockey player, make no mistake. But when you start asking for five-plus million, at that with point, you're a very good hockey player. And you have to be able to generate offense. Mm -hmm. And Phil Deneau generated offense when he was a benefactor of the Canadians' lack of depth. So he played with their two best all-round wingers. He had the most ice time. He was put in the best situations mm -hmm. and he put up 46 and 53 points or whatever it was. When the Montreal Canadiens become a better team and they have to take that next step, at that point, Phil Deneau won't have those line mates. Phil Deneau won't get that ice time and Phil Deneau won't produce those points. So at that point, he's no longer a $5 million player. He's under a $4 million player. Let me counter with this, okay? Yeah. I see what you're saying. If you said to yourself, I can get Phil Deneau, he's my third line guy, he costs only this much, 
and that looks good. And I agree 100% with you. But I think Mark Bergevin's problem through the course of history has been that he is making individual choices on individual players, but he's not building a team. So I think in concept, I like what you're saying. But mm-hmm. then don't we have the same Bergevin problem all over again? He needs a puck-moving defenseman. He goes get Edmondson. Edmonds playing great, but he's still shy puck-moving defenseman. He yeah. signs Phil Denote. Now he's doing great. He's got a really good third shutdown center. But now he's boxed himself in a hole that if Suzuki and Kakeniemi don't turn into elite ones or twos, now you got three threes again. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah, I no, agree. I, I, just, I understand what you're I saying. I agree. Great number. Four million. Great player for four. Brings a lot to the table. You know what I mean? Defensive yeah. type. A shutdown guy, I agree 100%. But now you're like, what if Suzuki and Kotkinmi stop right here and not one of them becomes a 1C? Well, you're now you've got those three, you're boxed in, they're all three yeah. properties. And, and you know, as good as Dano is a three, problem is Kotkinmi's a three. Problem is Suzuki's a two. Maybe Kotkinmi's the two and Suzuki's also a two. You still don't have a one. You're still well, not winning the middle. You're still not winning the game. So maybe one day they will have a one. And this is the Sick Podcast, and it's brought to you by my bookie. Use code Sick Picks for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid. Brian, maybe the Montreal Canadiens one day will have that number one centerman. And maybe that number one centerman becomes Jesperi Kakanyemi in two years from now. And maybe, maybe Nick Suzuki becomes that number two centerman in two years from now. The maybe. challenge is, <laughs> is that in two years from now, Shea Weber is now 37 going on 38. Carey Price is now 35 going on, yeah. on 37. Yeah. And, and uh, or whatever it is. And you know what I mean? Uh, but oh, but yeah. you know, he might be 35, but he's going on oh, 40. Yeah. And the other guy might be yeah. 37 and he's going on 45. That's the challenge. The challenge is at the time that they tried to build the cup contender and develop the young players, they didn't coincide at the same time. Yeah. That's the problem. 100%. 100%. You're going to see the maturity of these centers at the end of the careers of two uh, extremely important pieces. Yeah. And so, 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 you find, so you finally, you know, like, let's take this from a construction point of view. Yeah. You, 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 you're, you're, uh, you got to fill a hole over here. Yeah. So you fill the hole, but you're using the dirt from the other location. And you finish filling that hole, and then you look over to the left and you go, oh, my God, I just created another hole. And it's exactly what's happening. They're going to fill maybe the center hole if all that you've just said works out. Suzuki and Kotki and Emmy find their ceiling. And God, people, give them some time. They're only 20. You know what I mean? Have yeah. patience here. Yeah. Have patience here. I would give more patience to the two kids, less patience to know who we already know the ceiling of. But you're right. It's all going to come together at the center position, hopefully, when it's just completely falling apart at this well, other position. Brian, you say hopefully. Now what? Now. The guy who's hoping more than anyone is Mark Bergevin. He's got no other choice, and I'm going to tell you why. A lot of people believe that he probably has one card left to play, and that's a blockbuster deal. The blockbuster deal for a team that's going up and down and up and down, when you make it and the player has to quarantine for 14 days if he's outside of the division, chances are that's not going to happen because to make a blockbuster deal, you've now given up some important pieces to go out and get important pieces, and two teams are deprived of important pieces for two weeks, which could translate to five games, which can mean missing the playoffs. So in my opinion, the blockbuster deal is not going to happen, number one. Number two, if you're thinking that Mark Bergevin is going to trade a younger player and prospects to make this team better, he's already promised that he wouldn't mortgage the future even if his job was on the line. He's gone on record as saying that. 
So right now, if you're Mark Bergevin, you know what he's doing? He's hoping to God. He's crossing his fingers and hoping to God that Kakenyemi takes two steps forward, that Suzuki takes two steps forward. And if they do, night in and night out on a consistent basis, the Canadians will be okay. And if they don't, they're going to be like this, up yeah. and down and up and down. And that up yeah. and down could even mean risking the playoffs. Hey, we got one more big hole to fill, though, that we haven't talked about here. We're talking about the center position. And I agree with you just through, you know, watching against Winnipeg, yeah. watching against Toronto, watching even against Calgary. It's a giant issue. But there's another giant issue, and it's a puck-moving defenseman. This is a team yeah. that he built that is just all, you know, they talk all the time about speed and transition. Well, who can't speed and transition on the team? All those plotting defensemen. They got one guy that moves it up fast. It's Petrie. You know, Mete moves it up fast too, but he's useless yeah. at other things. So it doesn't work. I mean, Mete's really great at moving it up fast. Great. Unfortunately, when the puck's in your own zone, you don't have the ability yeah. to move a guy out of the way. You don't have the ability to win a puck battle. So he's an incomplete defense. So you can't count him. They only got one guy that does, you know, what they want to get a streaking winger a puck or a streaking centerman a puck, and that's yeah. Petrie. Otherwise, you know, they created a system that their well, own men can't even complete. So they need a puck-moving defenseman so badly, especially you know that first they, pair? Tony, that first pair. Yeah, Oof, that's not a first pair anymore. Even when Ben Sherratt's on it, that's a second pair. No, yeah. I know that. There might even be a third pair. Well, it is a second pair. Guess what? Guess what? Shea Weber's no yeah. longer the number one defenseman on the team. Jeff Petrie's the number one defenseman no, on the Jeff team, Petrie. and it's one hundred percent. And they got to start ice time in like that. Correct. And we have to we have to start saying that because for the longest time, we've always been going on reputation, right? For the longest time, people have said Price is the best goalie in hockey. He's not anymore. And anyone who's realistic and logical knows that. So we have to say Shea Weber is no longer the number one defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens. It's Jeff Petrie. I mean, he is a hybrid. He does everything. Take a look at his goals. Take a look at his points. Take a look at his stats. He is in, the, in contention for the Norris Trophy. All right. So now... Mm -hmm. We talked about the holes. Uh, I can't agree with you more. I, look, I think Romanov is going to be that puck-moving defenseman. But once again, a young player who's going to still need a couple of years in the National Hockey League before he really becomes comfortable night in and night out and becomes himself. So now, let's get to this. What in the world happened in that hockey game last night? In probably the worst first period or the worst period I've seen the Canadians play all season. In that game specifically, Tony, I have yeah. no answers whatsoever for you. They, 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 have, they have no excuses. I mean, they had a built-in excuse for Thursday. You know, they had 19 hours between two games. But they had no excuse to be that flat, to be that bad against Calgary, a team that's trying to chase them. That was one of the most important games of the year. I mean, you could put them in the rearview window last yeah, night. Yeah, and instead, yeah. you invited them to the party. You invited them to challenge you for fourth place for the rest of the year. And, and they, have, they, they, they seem to have gotten a great bump from Sutter. Emotionally, yes. psychologically, their intensity level way higher than earlier in the year. Sutter so has now they got play. a battle on their hands, man. They got a battle now. They invited that battle for the rest of yeah. the year now. Brian Sutter has them playing playoff hockey, and the Montreal Canadiens are not playing playoff hockey, especially in their last two games, two losses versus the Calgary Flames. But last night, everything that could have went wrong went wrong. First of all, missed assignments. I mean, I thought mm -hmm. it was... Uh, you know, you, you brought up uh, Edmondson earlier on. I mean, his plus minus this year has been great. But last night was probably one of the worst defensive games I've seen him play this year after the opening night in, in Toronto, which was probably understandable. So I thought Edmondson was off. 
They got mm-hmm. they got beat the puck battles. They got out of hustle. Take a look at Manjapani on Petrie. Take a look at Edmondson stuck in no man's land. Take a look at Matthew Kachuk on the power play going to the net and Weber uh, and, and Edmondson, I believe it was, just leave him there and he's, he's in behind them and they're winning puck battles and they were they were just, they were hungrier than the Canadians. And the Canadians, just nothing worked for them. And we talked about Suzuki before. Man, Suzuki got crunched yesterday. Once into the boards mm-hmm. and once when he and Corey Perry actually smacked into each other. And Phil Deneau was hurt at one point last night in the hockey game. Left in the first period, came back in the second. So they missed him. Suzuki had to go back to the locker room for the concussion protocol. They missed him. They were kind of like decimated at the same time. It was just, it was, it was bad. It was a really, really bad effort. Hey, the last two efforts against Calgary have been so bad that this morning I went to the Montreal Canadiens website. Listen to this. And could you imagine the game versus Calgary on Thursday? It wasn't even there. Even if the <laughs> website wanted to forget about their game on Thursday versus Calgary, that's well, how bad it was. I bet you Saturdays isn't there either. No, Saturday, Saturdays is there. Yeah, and you know, you didn't mention Armia in that mix either, that giveaway in the first. But not just Armia, what he tried to do is beat two guys one-on-one, but yeah. also the very, very small amount of puck support that was around him. I mean, yeah. all the guys that tried to find Monaghan after the giveaway, they seem to have yeah. been about 35, 40 feet away. So, I mean, it was just... Uh, it just you know what was the worst part of that play, Brian? What? Is that the Canadians actually had all five players back in their zone. Yeah. And Calgary only had one player behind the net with Armia, yeah. Yeah. who bumps Armia off the puck because I, I have no idea, <laughs> you know, the IQ on that play, what he's thinking, thinking that yeah. the best option with five players is to actually try and... Deke is way out of it. Yeah. And then Monahan comes in, and what a game for Sean Monahan. And yeah, I don't know. Um, You know what, though, Tony? There are ups and downs in a season. And I mean, I'm willing to just put those two games to the side because, I mean, look at Toronto. Great team, but they lost four of their last five. You know, there are ups and downs to the season. Uh, Like even Ottawa puts these really nice games together every once in a while. So I'm, you know, I'm willing to kind of put that to the side. I think it's the overall construction that I don't like. I don't like how much onus is on kids to be that great and a lack of patience for them. And I really don't like the construction of the D having so many plotters instead of, you know, this is a new NHL where all five guys have to have all of the abilities. You know what I mean? That's how the yep. game has changed. There's no such thing as a fourth line is fighters. Third line is uh, just checking. Two lines are scoring. Remember when we used to talk about that? That doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Defensive defensemen. Are, the defensive defensemen. That's an offensive defenseman. That's a defense. Forget that. The, the new NHL is everybody has to have all of the skills. This is what I think yeah. Mark Bergevin thinks. I think he thinks if he has a team that gets in the playoffs, that the way the game will be played and the way it will be called, be right. That's a good point. his team will be comfortable and they'll be a playoff team. So those lack of yeah. puck-moving defensemen yep. won't be as glaring a need yep. and won't hurt his team as much in the playoffs as it does in the regular season. And you, that's an excellent point. I, I think that's an excellent point. You're absolutely right. The game changes. They don't call it the same way. And then when you don't call it the same way, the players adapt. And it becomes more old style, old school uh, Daryl Sutter hockey. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. But from but now, they, but they got to get there first, Tony. You're right about that, and we're going to get to that in just a second, Brian. From an excellent point, 
to excellent officially licensed sports apparel. Go to sportbuffshop.com for all your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICKHOODIES15 for 15% off on all your hoodies of all your favorite teams in the world of sport. All right, so now, games coming up in Winnipeg on Monday night and on Wednesday night. Brian, if they don't win those games, I'm going to tell you right now what everyone's going to be saying on Thursday. Mm. On Thursday, everyone's going to be saying the Montreal Canadiens are still the same team that was struggling right before Claude Julien got fired. The Montreal Canadiens beat the Vancouver Canucks because Vancouver's just, the Canadiens have their number. Mm-hmm. And they blew out Winnipeg a couple of weeks ago because Winnipeg was due for a bad one and the Canadians were due for a good one. Yeah. Brian, yeah. they need at least three out of four points in their next two games in Winnipeg, I think. To calm I, I, everything down. No, I think they only need one win out of two. I know what you're saying. Three or four would be nice to get to overtime in the other game, but I think they'd be fine if they take one or two and play well in the other game. I think that would satisfy themselves uh, emotionally to pick it up and start to play some better hockey. I think that would, I think that would be okay, but you're absolutely right. I mean, if they lose to, uh, you know what though, Tony, as we approach uh, near the end of this, here's what I keep thinking though. How can this team that brought in five good players not be better than this? I mean, look where their goals are coming from. Two it's, of the uh, new guys they brought in, I got like what? 30, 35% of their goals. It's very concerning because they brought in players that they really needed and are Absolutely. really helping. performing. Exactly. And so I Edmondson get is on the best pair. Okay, so listen to this. <laughs> I mean, look at those five guys. All right, they're, so they're the, among the best players on the team. How so are they get, not better than this? So I get back to the point I made before. Okay. Remember the Canadians in the play-in. Yeah. Now remember the Canadians last year in the regular season. Two completely different teams, right? And for whatever reason, they look so much better in the play-in with the same players that they had during the regular season. Mm -hmm. And so now you take that team that played in the play-in and you add those five players, and I don't have an answer for you. I really don't. My My only thing is all of a sudden a team that we thought for the longest time was more built for the season than the playoffs now is more built for the playoffs than the season. Other than that, I don't know, but I, I, I once again, it comes down to inexperience at the center ice position, the most yeah. important position in hockey in the last decade. You know, and I love the way you framed that. I love the way you framed that. If you would have just said, let's like forget all of the gaps here and forget all of the history and all of the nuance or whatever, and just bring it down to that simple statement. Yeah. Take that team in the play in that beat Pittsburgh. Take it, look at it, assess it. Now add these five players. Anderson, Toffoli, a backup goalie at 9.30 instead of 8.80, right? Romanov, way better on D. Edmondson, on the best pair on the team. Take that play-in team. Add those five guys. Where would you expect them to be? Not putting in two of the worst efforts of the season against the team they could have put in the rearview mirror Thursday and Saturday. But sucking looking terrible at the low point of the season, perhaps missing the playoffs. That team that looked so good against Pittsburgh gets these five additional players who aren't underperforming. They are their best players, especially the two wingers. Come on. 
Yeah. Figure that out. What isn't adding up here? What is not adding up? I mean, I even Price has turned it around from his yeah. 880s to his 950s. Price was it, not to blame for the game no. loss, but if and anything, the last he five games is, last five games, Tony, the same percentages are 950, 960, 959, 40, 960, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not the goalie. Nope. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I think it's this. He's given up seven in his last five. Wow. Okay, so I think it's this. I think you've hit on it at the center position. The play-in, those young kids look ready. Right yeah. now, they don't look ready. And the other is, I think that the first pair look good in the play-in, and it's falling right off the charts. Falling right off the charts. Even before Sherrod got injured, that first pair had fallen off the charts. Right off a cliff. Boom. See this? Boom. Is there anything that you would do with Suzuki to get him back on track? Because now they're essentially telling him you're the first line centerman on this team. We'll give you the ice time. We'll give you the wingers. And it hasn't worked out. It looks like he hit the wall. It looks like the softboard jinx. Is there anything that you could do with Suzuki to give him some kind of electroshock? No. No, you can't. Not with these kids. You can't. All you can do is keep letting them grow. And that's what you were talking about earlier. That's such a valid point. Is you are, you have, there's no recourse for these kids but to let them grow. Puck on your stick. Keep feeling this moment. Slow it down. And the moment only slows down in your head. And the vision only gets bitter, better in your head from re repetition. That's all you can do is keep the repetition up. Here's all the ice time, Kotkiniemi. Here's all the ice time, Suzuki. You guys are the future. Increase your reps. That's all. I so actually. What, so, but what's the problem there? Yeah. It's going to take two years, and then the Weber, who's already struggling, and Price, whose body is breaking, that you got in that amazing interview the other day with Stefan Waite. Now what? You got a breaking body, according to his former head co uh, goaltender coach. Yeah. And you got an aging body on the other side, and Shane Weber, who's already having difficulties with mobility. And now your centers maybe are coming of age, while your two main pieces – 10.5 million, and I've lost track of what Weber makes these days. 7.8 something. So now, here's the yeah. deal. You have to manage price. Yeah. you got to manage Weber. That's right. Uh, you got to give the young kids ice time, but maybe yeah. not give them too much so that they hit a wall. Agreed again. They're in a bad spot. Like, they're just, I can't. Once again, it all yeah. needed to come together at the same time. And, and who, who said that, like, eight years ago? You did. Thank you. <laughs> right? You said that like eight years ago. You've been saying that since the first time I think I ever heard you. Well, if I you want to build a winner, that. it all has to come together at the same time. Well, you don't build that. You don't build a cup while you know, like yeah. thirty-three-year-old gets thirty-eight, and the nineteen-year-old gets twenty-four. That's not how it works. I say this. And I thank you for that because I've been wrong more often than not. But so thank you for stating. You know what? And, and you know what, Tony? I've on been right. that point, on that yeah. point, that point often feels like when they're in a five-game winning streak that you are wrong. But you know what the truth is? You're never wrong on that point. Well, You're never wrong on that point. They better listen. They better hope it works out. Because one way to construct a team. If we don't, we all know what's going to happen at one point. With all due respect to Mark Bergevin, he can't go in front of the press at the end of the year and say that, well, we didn't make the playoffs because of this, and a year after we didn't make the playoffs because of that. And year I'm going to disagree. This I'm going to disagree. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So what are you telling me? If they miss the playoffs this year, everything's going to be okay? I'm going to agree. I'm going to say they will. 
I okay. don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna fire him. I think and you know gonna, what? And I and think if, he's got a longer rope than you think. Hold on a second. And you know what? I've thought that often. And by the way, to be fair, to be fair, yeah. I don't think that it's cool that if we all thought the moves were great in the off season, and yeah. we all thought he was the GM of the year, yeah, that we all crucify him at the end of the year if it doesn't work out. Because then we're all wrong. We can't yeah. say I told you so if That's we were right. all wrong. But at that's the same why I say time, he's got a long run. If they, let's just say they don't make the playoffs this year, what can they say at the end of the year for everyone to say, "Okay, I understand. It's okay." We what can they say? To, we continue to build. No, they can't say that. You want to know why? Because he said we're well, going well, all in at the beginning of the season. Yeah, but. It doesn't mean he's going to get fired. He's not getting fired. He's not. Right. He's got a long rope, dude. I don't know how he's going to sell it, and I don't even care how people sell things. All I care about is that the team has a product on the ice that has the potential to be better and be a champion. And that's why I don't like Bill Deneau as the third-line center. Because I don't know yet when they have to make the decision on Deneau if Suzuki and Kotkin Yemi can find a ceiling yep. that makes him a one or a two. Okay. Brian, whether whether you know he gets fired or not, if they don't make the playoffs, he's not getting fired. That's my we'll, call. We'll, we'll talk about that at a later date. But what yeah. I'll say now is that there's got to be, and I know he's often said, Mark Bergevin has that he didn't believe in the window. Deep down inside, I believe, and I have always believed that he believed in the window, even though he said otherwise. I just don't think he wanted to put any pressure on him, the team, or anybody that the window was there. So I want, I think he wanted to buy a little bit of time. Brian, the window is there for Carey Price and Shea Weber. We said it. They've been beat up. They've been injured. They're not going to get younger, and they're not going to get better. There has to be an expiry date here somewhere. There has to be an expiry date. And if the Canadians can't take that next step between now and that expiry date, what is it, though? the GM is Mark Bergevin or the GM is Brian Wilde, the Montreal Canadiens are going to have to, once and for all, rebuild. And until we get there, we could keep on going the way they're going. But when they hit that expiry date on Price and Weber, and they can't get to the promised land, if they don't, they have no other choice. And whether Jeff and the ownership group wants to do it or not, they'll have no other choice. They'll have no other choice because you can't just, you can't get around it. And you can give me all the examples in the world of all you want that Buffalo was rebuilding and they never got better and a couple of other teams were rebuilding and never got better. If the Pittsburgh Penguins don't draft Fleury at one, Crosby at one, Malkin at two, and if the Washington Capitals don't draft Ovechkin at one and Backstrom in the top four as well, the Penguins don't win the cup and the uh, Capitals. Capitals don't win the cup. And if yeah. the uh, Chicago Blackhawks don't draft yeah. Patrick Kane at one and Jonathan yeah. Taves at three. Yeah. They don't win the cups either. That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one. I mean, there are failures and there's no guarantee. I mean, you've seen what the Oilers have done for a lot of the years. You've seen uh, how long it's taken for Florida with high picks, how long it's taken yeah. with Buffalo for high picks. And, and yeah, there are failures. But the point that you're essentially making isn't about the failures. It's about the successes. And it's the successes that are the Stanley Cups. So you don't focus on the failure because the goal isn't to not fail. The goal is to win. And the wins 
are the system that you've just talked about. And you and that I you will have to have one, week. three, and there's no guarantee. Your three might be Kakinyemi. Your yeah. three might be Galchenyuk. There's no guarantee, but there is one guarantee yeah. that without them, without the ones, the twos, the threes, you're not winning the cup. There's and no guarantee that you will win the cup. Yeah, one, two, and the three. But there is a guarantee you will not win the cup. I hear you, bud. One, two, and three. So you're and preaching to the choir on that one. Yeah, and hopefully you and I could talk about whether they won in Winnipeg or not. As the Canadians have played four of their six games on the road, they got games in Winnipeg left on Monday night and on Wednesday night, and then they come back to the Bell Center for six games at home. Until we do it again next time. He's Brian Wild from Global TV Montreal. I'm Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Sick Podcast. See you, Brian. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Use code SICKPIX for a 50% deposit bonus. Bet, win, get paid.